with our Bless This Mess series, but we're doing so with kids in the room. Have you guys noticed this? There's a couple extra bodies in here. Kids, I'm going to need every kid. If you're a kid in here, doesn't matter how young you are, all the way up to fifth grade, I would like you to stand up. Can you stand up, all the kids? Kids, we are glad you're here. Can we welcome the kids to church today? All right. So they got a little gift bag that welcomes them into fifth Sunday. Four times a year or so, there's a fifth Sunday. And we intentionally want to welcome kids into our church service because we want to model for them what it means to be this church family together. So 48 Sundays a year, they get to go out and they have a blast and they have a ton of fun and they're bouncing off the walls and doing their thing. And then four Sundays a year, they get to bounce off the walls in here with you during church. So our commitment to you is this. We're going to give them something to do. Um, They're going to be crackling open their fruit snacks and they're going to be wiggling a little bit here and there. Our job as the adults in the room, our job as modeling this for them is to cheer them on. When they peek around and they turn around in their chair to look at you, you make contact and you give them the thumbs up that they're doing a great job. And so our job is to encourage them. My promise to you is I will give you a shorter sermon so everybody's happy and we will all get out of here soon. So as we continue our Bless This Mess series, uh, we are in a place where the first and second weeks went together. They were kind of a, a joined little pair of sermons. You can go back to the podcast and listen to weeks one and two together. This is week four, and weeks three and four go together as well. Last week, we talked about mission, what it means to, be, uh, to have a personal mission, whether uh, individually, for your family, for your organization. What does it mean to have a mission, and what does that do uh, for you in your life? And so I won't spoil what all of that was, but I will say that this message goes along with that one, and so you, you might want to go back and catch up there. Next week, we'll put a bow on the whole thing, but this week, we're talking about values, family values, and not the political stump speech uh, family values that you heard about, but uh, really this idea that every family has different values. Uh, our church family has its own set of values. They're, they're this group of characteristics that we sort of live by, and so what we're going to do is ask for your help in articulating church values, and you'll get an email today that's going to ask you some questions just because we want to be better about articulating those, but... The real challenge for every person in here today is to think through and articulate your values, individually, as a family, and we're going to explain why it matters. I was going to say we would open up the Bible to like the book of values, but that doesn't exist, and so what we're going to do is use uh, the book of John. In John uh, chapter 17, Jesus has this famous prayer, longest prayer we have captured of his in scripture, and it's often, um, well, I won't spoil it for you. Let me just start reading. John 17, uh, chapter chapter 17, verse 1, I'm going to start here at Father. He's praying. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We skip ahead to verse 9. He says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer. Jesus is predicting he won't be here anymore. But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
then the world will know that you sent me and have looked them even as you have loved me, have loved them even as you love me. So as we read through that, what value becomes apparent in Jesus's prayer? Even abbreviated, it becomes really clear. This idea of unity. May they be one. May the believers be one. May the followers be one. May we be one. May we all be unified. His prayer over and over as he's, he's predicting his exit from uh, the physical body on earth, what he's hoping to, um, to leave us is as a unified body of believers. This idea of unity comes through over and over again. What does Jesus want the church's people to embody? He wants them to embody unity. That they may be one that the world may know. So when the church splits, and there's a big fight in the church, and these people are mad at those people, and everybody goes their own separate ways, does that honor Jesus' prayer for unity? No, that's a violation of that value. When the church wars with itself about things that don't really matter instead of reaching the world, does that seem like we're reaching for Jesus' goals here? No, that's a violation of Jesus' value. Unity has a purpose. When we are unified in Christ, we are most effectively on mission together. Remember last week we said Jesus' mission, if we could distill it down in his own words, was he came to seek and save the lost. Is he more effective when we are unified in that mission together or when we're all separate trying to do it on our own strength? I told the, the story a few months ago about the, the certain type of horses that one can pull you know, 10,000 pounds and two together can pull 25,000 pounds, but three can pull like 60,000 pounds. That like the exponential growth of adding people into a unified direction is real. And so if the mission is why we exist, values are the character with which we carry it out. If the mission is why we exist, then values are the character with which we carry out the mission. This is um, the military concept of commander's intent comes into play. We have people that have been in the military. Can I show of hands for people that have served some time? Yeah, thanks. So commander's intent is an idea that uh, is now common in business books, but it was stolen from kind of military ideas. Basically, it says that no military or no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. And that's attributed to a hundred different people said a thousand different ways. But the idea is that no, no great plan put up on the wall exists past the first shot being fired. So when resistance comes, when the bomb goes off, when the shot is fired, when the line falls through, the plan the step-by-step, first you do this, and then you do that, that kind of becomes useless. Like the step-by-step how-to of we're going to take the flag becomes worthless once the first shot is fired. Think of it as putting together Ikea furniture outside in a hurricane. That's how that goes. You start, you get your Allen wrench, and you got your furniture, and you're like, I'm going to do this, and then the directions blow off, and the Allen wrench is gone, and it's floated away, and you look at this pile of fiberboard, and you go, well, the point was to put it together. And so you got to figure it out. This is commander's intent. Commander's intent envisions the battlefield at the conclusion of the mission instead of the beginning. We are linear thinkers. We are left to right readers. We are Western people. And we start from the beginning and we work our way towards the end. And it's like a choose your own adventure novel that sometimes I go left and sometimes I go right. And we'll just see where we end up. And scripture is very clear. And commander's intent is much the same way that we're actually supposed to start with the ending. That if we have the ending in mind, then we can get there. But we only get there by starting with the ending. Why? Chaos is certain, and our plans go out the window. So we ask the question, where is this ending? Which is a lot of what we said last week, when you establish what your mission is, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, when the end comes, what will this all have been about? And that's what you should be doing today. D-Day, this turning point in World War II, had been planned for years. 
The Allies, British, Canadian, American Airborne Forces had planned and rehearsed for months a precise series of glider and parachute landings. They were going to secure certain bridges and, and certain road junctions. They had all this key terrain that they knew was important in order to turn the tide of the war. In order to do so, uh, they had to do certain like really specific things in their how-to list. And in doing so, they would allow the ground forces coming up behind them to take land quickly, and the whole thing would be clean. So what happens? D-Day comes, parachute forces dropped into unmarked landing zones. Gliders landed in the wrong areas. And before you knew it, thousands of soldiers from different units were mixed together in the middle of the night. To which the linear thinker goes, this is a disaster. We didn't plan for this. But thanks to Commander's Intent, hours later, the original military objectives were being accomplished by ad hoc units that faced fierce German resistance, and yet they knew what they needed to do. They all knew the intent at the end of the day. They formed into their own units on the fly. They took the key bridges. They took the key terrain, and the war was turned. The plan that they'd spent years drafting and months kind of practicing, the whole plan was a failure. But commander's intent and superior training allowed improvisation and initiative to save the day. Commander's intent makes the mission. If you know where you're going, you can actually get started on the walk there. How we go about getting there is the, the values piece. And what we learn all throughout this is mission is more important than method. Because there's the how-to in us. I mean, we could take a, like some sort of personality assessment and, and the, the kind of linear step-by-step, -step, I need the instructions, I need the recipe, how-to people, you come out real quickly. And then there's the messy people that are like, recipes are for crazy people, and I'll just throw a bunch of stuff in the bowl and mix it and see what happens. And there's kind of two types. And for how-to people, it's like, no, the method is everything. The, the method's the only way to get to the mission. And yet the reality over and over and over is the mission is central, and the method can change depending on the circumstance as long as it's still going in the right direction. Community groups we, we have around uh, the city that meet, we have three things they're supposed to do, gather, share, and bless. Ultimately, it, it's the outward-facing uh, body out in the community trying to bless the city. Life is messy, chaos happens. Some of you feel like D-Day every couple weeks shows up at your house, you know. Kids are taking key terrain, somebody just tore up the flower bed, I don't know what's happening over there, what... There's someone missing in the basement. The end goal of your community group is people sharing life deeply and blessing the community with the love of Jesus. And so ultimately, the commander's intent on that is people say, well, how do we do it? And I go, well, there's some, some suggestions. But ultimately, you've got to read the room and get to accomplish the mission, no matter the method it, it takes you. And so what we have is a bunch of different groups doing it a bunch of different ways, which for some people is maddening. Like, well, where's the rule book? Some meet every week, some meet every other week. A couple are meeting like once a month, but they're finding it really fruitful. Some people are meeting in basements, and some are in houses, and some have all their kids in the room with them, and some banish the kids to the basement and chain lock the door. Everybody figures out their own way to do it, but the end goal is people are gathering together, they're sharing life deeply, and they're blessing the community, and we're seeing it happen radically in the city. Shared values reveal how it happens. I would say values are the determining factor in how we navigate a complicated world. Values are the determining factor for how we navigate a complicated world. I'll explain it this way. Every so often you get a decision point in your life. There's a decision point on the path to accomplishing mission. And every single one of these decision points is a value choice. 
So this summer, many families in here will make a decision whether to put this amount of money, whatever that is, into your summer vacation or to the college fund. That's a value choice. Some people are feeling guilty right now, like, well, I got vacation plans, but I didn't put that in the college. It isn't that either of the values are bad. They can both be great values. But your choice, your decision reveals that you value one maybe slightly more than the other. Maybe just for this season, but maybe overall. Do we buy Pizzanello's pizza? Or are we in the freezer at Walmart getting the Red Baron pizza? And depending on the day, your values are revealed. Do I like the higher quality? Do I like the lower price? What, what matters more to me? Kids. Are the kids still in here? Did they leave? They're so quiet. I don't know where the kids are. Are you here? Oh, man. Had me worried. I was a little worried, kids. All right, kids, I got a question. Kids, this is only for kids. If the adults answer this, they're all going to get spankings. Kids, listen. Kids, do you like being healthy? Yes. Second question, kids. Do you like candy? Yeah. Two good things, vacation and college fund, right? I'm going to see if I can illustrate this for kids. Kids, are you paying attention? This is going to get interesting real quick. Brixton, I'm going to need your help. Come here. I'm going to bring my kid up here, so if this all goes terribly wrong, then I will deal with the uh, consequences at my house. Brixton, this is a magical box. It's not really. It's just a normal box, but just let's pretend, okay? This box contains a choice, okay? And you are the only person that gets this choice. Are you ready to make your choice? Okay, I'm going to open it. I'd like you to take, there's a bag in there. I'd like you to take that out and show the people what's in the bag, okay? All right, get that bag and show the people what's in the bag. Just show them. What is that? Broccoli. Literally a bag of broccoli. Kids, don't all start running up here at once. Okay. Now you can put that back in. Now you can take out the other thing and show the kids that. What's that? Oh, boy. King size. That's shareable. Okay, so I'd like you to put that back in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to close the box. Kids, are you watching this? She has a very important choice to make. And I just here's what I want. I just want you to make the choice you really want to make, okay? Which one you really want? Please choose what I want you to choose. Okay. Which one do you really want? No! <laughs> you get both. Congratulations. See you later. Invite your friends to Fifth Sunday, okay? It's going to be great. Everybody's having a good time. Well, that tells you one thing about what we value in my house, which is approval from parents. Um, And her real value choice will be revealed after church when she begs to open one of those two things, and I bet it's not the broccoli. Okay. So, and we may not recover. We, We as a family value health. We do balanced meals, we encourage vegetables and fruits, and these are things more often than not, it's yogurt, not ice cream, for dessert at night, like, these are something, it's something we do. Uh, The idea was that um, the great battle plan of health would, shots fired when you show them the candy, because, look, the battle plan's out the window, and I'm going to go with the thing I really want. Um, I guess she actually did me a favor and made us look decent as parents, even though I really just think it's approval, but I'll thank her for that later. But the idea is, and that's it, broccoli out of the box is an easy choice until the candy shows up. And the candy shows up, and now we have a values decision to make, which is like, well, and I suppose she makes the point in saying, overall, what she valued more than the candy was getting the right answer and the approval of her dad. 
And so maybe there is a values choice there. We all have experienced that exact same thing in our everyday lives. Uh, anybody who did a New Year's diet thing, even if it wasn't a formal diet thing, but you're like, I'm just going to be healthier. That's a great plan until someone shows up with a chocolate cake. And your plan goes out the window and you're like, well, I really need to make a choice now. Values are clearly seen in the battlefield. They're clearly seen in the battlefield of everyday life where every day we have these decision points to make and our values will reveal. As a church, we, we have to fight through that. There's no shortage of things we can disagree about. I laugh in here because um, there's two things that for certain are always someone, someone is always unhappy with. And one is volume of music and the other is temperature of room. It doesn't matter what the volume is. 50% of the church is going, it kind of hurts my ears. And the other 50% says I can't even hear it. And then the temperature, 50% is fanning themselves and the other four are putting on parkas and everybody's, it, it's just a thing. And so I know no matter what it is, I'm going to receive that email and I'm going to try to adjust on the fly. And, and yet every, why? It's just, we have preferences. Yet, the same people who say, gosh, it's been really cold or gosh, it's been really hot or man, it's way too loud or gosh, I just can't hear the, the we're all still here. Which is, a, a, we speak to the value of unity over my personal preference. And that value perpetuates the mission going forward. Your choices reveal what you value. Here's the other thing. Aspirational values are okay. Aspirational values are okay. I think that's what we just saw. What I really want is the candy, but I would aspire to prefer the broccoli because I think that's what you trained me to say. And that's actually okay. Aspirational values are okay. Those things that you go, I'm actually not this way, but I wish I was. I don't love to work out. I wish I did. Well, then guess what? Exercise is a value for you in your life. It's just something that you've not quite embodied yet, but you'll get there. Last week, we established the importance of mission and why we exist. And so this week, the, the values idea is how do we go about living out the mission? As a church, we're here for BG. We say that a lot. We're going to say it more in the future. We exist right on the wall to know Jesus and make him known. It's what we're here for. What are our values? To make him known. There's, there's lots of ways to do that. Is this church a church that values aggressive evangelism? Bullhorn on a milk crate in the center of campus, yelling turn or burn at all the students on campus. Is that something we're about? No. This church seems to value relational evangelism. Trust and care and getting to know someone and inviting them into a way of life that we can model and walk with them in. It doesn't make one right or wrong, but it means we've clearly chosen the value of relationship over the value of aggressive evangelism. And we think that's the most effective way in our culture to get to this mission. We have others, other things that I'm going to ask you today. We're really getting an email this afternoon. And it's going to say, like, when you think of covenant, what values come to mind? And then there's just blanks, and you have to fill them in. So I started thinking, what are the things I've observed? I'm, I'm still like to consider myself relatively new here. It's getting less and less true every day, but it, I still feel like I, I feel fresh. This is a generous church. I think this church values generosity. We aim to share God's blessing as a way of displaying his grace. There's black boxes on the wall. So yeah, we, we do that individually when we put our offering into the church box or we put it in online so that we can see the mission go out. That's true also. And yet that's a bigger thing. Generous with our time and generous with our talent. And we're just out in the city being generous to bless the community. This is a church that's patient, not in a hurry. You get the sense we're running a marathon of faith here. This is a church that's resilient, that's been through some stuff. 
when you get knocked down, you just get right back up and keep walking on the mission. This is a church that does care about unity. It cares more about the essentials and the mission that they're chasing than the granular details that can derail us. Church cares about truth at the same time, high view of Scripture, and unwavering belief in the absolutes that God has given us through Scripture. It's a church that cares about honesty. We would say it's okay not to be okay. And we would actually want the world to know that this church is full of imperfect people, and the reason that we have something that combines and unifies us all is because Jesus came to save us. And it's okay not to be okay, and our challenge to each and every one of us every single week is just don't stay there. Take another step. Does that sound right? A week or two ago, we got an email in the kind of the church general email box that, that was a across-the-street business that gas company asking if they could use our parking lot on like a Friday afternoon for some overflow parking for an event they were having. And it was, a, it was really, I, I smiled when it came in because I thought, okay, this is a good value pass. So we're in the office and the question becomes, well, what do we do? We don't have a church parking lot rental policy. We don't know them. We don't know what their agenda is, what they're going to do. We also don't use that lot. So it would have been really easy to kind of figure out, well, we could charge them this, or we could just say no because we don't really know how this works. And we said, well, what's the value at play here? It's a question we asked in the office. What's the value? And I said, if we are for BG and we exist to know Jesus and make him known, then what should we say? They said, yeah, don't worry about it. Park there. Do we need to do anything? No, just park there. Are you sure? Absolutely. We want to be good neighbors. We want to show you that we want, we're here to bless the city. And so it's all yours. And we just, we hope it's a blessing to you that you get to use the parking lot. A tiny little decision, but it was a values decision. And what you begin to realize as you walk through life is every single decision you make is a values decision. You have a sheet on your chair. The same one you got last week, the little brown half sheet, half page. Last week, we challenged you to fill in the top, the M. What's your mission? In your family, your household, as an individual, as a group, you can use it in an organization. What, why do we exist? We exist to blank. This week, you have to figure out values. So the V at the bottom is for values. Am I going to read this? Yeah. Okay. You going to hang in with me for a minute? Here, hold this one for me. Yes. Hold this. Okay. Can you hold this one? Okay. Go hang with mom. You can take my sheet, though, okay? Thanks, bud. This week, you're figuring out your family values. You did mission. You're now doing values. So the M, we exist to blank. A lot of you did this last week. Some of you thought, oh, I'll get to it. You never did. No guilt. We'll work it out. You got this week, too. Now you have these blanks that are for values. We exist to blank, and here's how we're going to get there. So one of ours, to give you an example, in our family, we value sacrifice. So in one of our blanks, it'll say sacrifice. We think that part of the way we love each other is through sacrificial service. And so the job of the leader is to find ways to encourage others to live out the values. So something we do in my house, we have this, had this thing made. I had to find somebody that would do it for me. And I'll put it on the screen as well so you can see it. But it's a, it's a little Scrabble tray, and it has little Scrabble letters in it. And it just says, love serves. And so if you come to my house, what you'll find is this thing will be in a different place every day. It'll be on someone's bed. 
because Bella makes Brixton's bed and didn't tell her. And so she just wanted to serve her. And this is the way that we reinforce the value. Hey, guys, sacrifice one minute of your time to serve your sister. And then remind her that love serves. So we're going to reinforce that that's a value in our house. It'll be on the laundry, uh, on the washing machine, because somebody moved the clothes over and it wasn't their job to do it. It'll be sitting um, on the stairs because somebody picked up the backpack and moved it out of the walkway and onto where it belongs. It, it, It just shows up in random places. And sometimes you don't even know what was done. You just see it and you're like, I wonder who served who here. But every single day, there's an opportunity for kids in my house to reinforce this value that if we're going to really love God by loving each other and loving the world, which would be our mission, that part of the way we're going to do that is by loving each other sacrificially. And so each of us has the opportunity in our homes to do that. And this is where we talk about the the closing here is we have to move from embracing our values to embodying our values. Anybody can embrace anything. Embracing generosity, awesome. Writing the check, way harder. Embracing sacrifice, love it. Giving up your time for someone else to no benefit of your own, harder. So we want to move from I like it to I live it. It's an entirely different thing to embody values than it is to simply embrace them. Values lived out can absolutely change the world. Simply embracing a value is worthless. But a value embodied changes the world because it's then put into activation. Nothing derails a mission faster than violated values is the other thing. If our values are clear and someone violates them, that very clearly takes us off mission. And yet, it's never too late to get back on course. It's never too late to get back on values. So if you can't figure out what your values would be, here's your two questions. We'll be done. First question is, you would ask, when you think of our family, you can ask this in your family, ask friends, you can put it on Facebook. When you think of my family, this is gutsy, but you can do it. The word that comes to mind is blank. And see what people say. And then you ask in your family, you ask yourself, when you think of what you want our family to be, the word that comes to mind is blank. One is that's who you are, because it's been clearly lived out. The other is who can we still become? And so in your homes, you can write them out and live them out. In our church, you're going to get that email, and so we're going to begin the process of articulating our values. And so in aligning around shared values, we then as a community, we then as families, little units and bigger— actually begin to live out Jesus's prayer that we read to start all of us. When our values are known and articulated and shared and lived out, then we become a unified people displaying Christ to a world in need of a savior as effectively as you could possibly imagine. So may we be one that the world might know. Let's pray.